Welcome to the Optimal Health Podcast from Hudson Physicians, getting you back to optimal health when you're feeling sick, stressed, overwhelmed, or run down. This is the third in a series of podcasts centered around behavioral and mental health. And today it's going to be Dr. Jeanette Concepcion, clinical psychologist, and Lauren Knapp, psychiatry PA. We're going to talk today about technology. The good, there is some, the bad, and the ugly. And I think when we get, dive into this, uh, many of us are going to realize that this encompasses all of our lives, whether you're an adult, or an adolescent, or even younger. And uh, to the two of you, uh, we have plenty to cover today, and thanks for jumping in on this topic. It's an important one, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> in stereo, I love it. You can tell that we we jive, right? We are in sync about this. That was impressive. But <laughs> but it, it is important, and, you know, it continues to evolve, I'm sure. And, you know, Dr. C put on uh, a terrific video uh a presentation to a group of a very large audience uh, at Hudson Physicians uh, a couple years back. And, uh, you know, I'm sure while the years have changed, we've added COVID and more electronics to, to you know, handle our downtime. I'm sure there are also some other things that have been evolving over those years too, as well, as it's a constant fluid situation. Absolutely. And I think one of the things we have to consider is how things that happen environmentally, like the global pandemic of COVID, has affected our electronics usage. Everything from people that used to go to the office and hang out with their coworkers and colleagues, now are doing everything virtually using electronic medium. So that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is a different thing. And it changes how we perceive the role of electronics in our lives. Well, and that goes to the Zoom meetings where I don't think anybody really liked to do those or the Google Meets or whatever you want to call it uh, pre prior to that. And now it's just become kind of a norm that, that, you know, I mean, is that good? Maybe. I mean, that could fit into your good category, but it has changed our acceptance and how things do. But there are some general things that you I, I'm sure you consider that we, we have to think about. Exactly. Some of the things that we have to think about when we even bring up the, the topic of electronics is that technology and electronics includes a multitude of things. We often just think of phones and video games, and those are a big part of it, but it's also the apps that we have on our phones and how we use them. Um, it's the social media and how much mm -hmm. we engage in that. Um, it is computer games. And so we have video games, then we have computer games. We have platforms like YouTube, um, that would also be a technology. But then we also have to think of things that are productive to our society, like your Zoom meetings, mm -hmm. that's technology, mm -hmm. um, like school-related homework assignments, being able to do virtual learning was actually a good thing, even though there are some issues with how the whole educational system had to um, how to utilize the technology. We did get kids through a global pandemic and it's because of being able to link in to a virtual world. Right. So we were able to continue as a country, you yes. know, throughout this and adapt, which I guess, you know, just shows how adaptable we are as humans. Um, but, you know, it, it makes it kind of hard in a sense to do some research too on, on some of these topics because there's such a, wide variety of tech um, and electronics. Um, and the interesting thing too is we don't know long-term how this will evolve and shape our lives. And the research we can't even really conduct yet because it hasn't even been enough years to really figure out, you know, how, how is, how is this um, 
generation that has grown up without, with, or I apologize, with electronics, how are they going to be shaped socially and as humans? Um, and that, you know, along with electronics comes many good things, and we'll kind of dive into that. Um, electronics, you know, we have access to the internet. The internet, woohoo, internet, Google, woohoo, <laughs> gives us, you know, just such a, an amazing wealth of information. Um, we can learn about all sorts of new things. Um, you know, we can do some online learning. We can learn about job skills. We can do some content discovery. We can FaceTime grandma. Woohoo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, you know, real time access to important current events. And that's important, you know, safety wise sometimes. Um, like in natural disasters, we need to, to be informed about those sorts of things. We can stay really involved um, and connected with each other. Um, I remember when emails first started to be a thing and my grandmother got connected with her email and she loved it. She would email back and forth with her friends. But the interesting thing is she would have to print out each email to read it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the cheaters, you know, now we've got those, which are even better, right? So, well, you know, some of the things that you're mentioning here, Lauren, are are really uh, positives and, and, and the good about what what we can do. And, and, and to me, a lot of it is content consumption. And, it, mm -hmm. it, you know, to me, I, I remember it was probably about 2010, um, and I had started streaming stuff in 06, uh, sporting events. And um, in 2010, I said, you know, there's going to be no cable TV. Eventually, people are going to be grabbing um, their computer or laptop or whatever it's going to be. And that's going to be basically their cable box because it's all going to be run off the Internet. So mm -hmm. so as good and healthy as that is to gather in, um, I've made a living off it, to be honest. We're doing a podcast that's going to go <laughs> into the Internet. But w we are so more capable of reaching a global audience with our messaging, which is a yes. very positive thing. And so I don't think yeah. we're, I don't think we're, 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 we get into deeper into this. What I think is really interesting is it's not about what it is and what it could do. It's more about how it's consumed by yeah. whom and for how much, right? And, you uh -huh. and it's the balance in life. And we're going to target this podcast more towards kind of the kid, teen, young adult parenting frame of reference. Um, that's what we're focusing on initially with Hudson Physicians Behavioral and Mental Health Program. <clears throat> and so you see a lot of our discussion later on is oriented towards things that affect families and having kids of various ages and how do they try to achieve that balance between how much electronics and what type is healthy versus how much is just really risky. Well, so the streaks and addicting to that, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. they're really doomed before they start. I'm not trying to sound like Mr. Negative here, but you know, I mean, it's difficult. It is. It absolutely is. And it's, um, and one of the things we'll talk about later, it's we tell parents that it's like, you need to be two steps ahead of your kid. Okay. And that's a hard thing to do in this day and age is to take, is to stay two steps ahead of your kid when it comes to some of these social media and tech things um, that could be dangerous. I don't think we have to worry about it if the two steps ahead is my child is learning how to cook, okay? I think yeah. we're kind of 
kids surf the internet and they're finding some good recipes for some peach jam. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're looking out something of a sexual nature or other chemical health stuff or whatever, uh, there might be some issues there. Mm-hmm. Well, an interesting thing you say to the two steps ahead on the parenting side of things that, that, that create, you have to do a couple of things there. One is effort. You know, I mean, sure, you're tired from work and all the other things that you have going on, chasing your kids to their events. I get it. Uh, But you do need to have effort for that. But the second thing is you need to be aware and be looking and, you know, not know what's out there. And I think there's a lot of people who have just sort of sat back. I think it's gotten better now because, you know, it's pretty much a technology age. It's in parenting. But you have to see what these new apps are and what's out there and and how addicting they can be. But it takes effort to do that. It does. And that really, you know, as parents, I know that we are very limited in our time. And it's so important, though, to build a resilient kid and have these interpersonal connections with your children that really start at the beginning. And technology, unfortunately, can put up a block, mm-hmm. even as early as newborns. Um, you know, with, for example, if we're breastfeeding and we're scrolling on our phone, that eye connection with the baby, that that attachment forms differently if we're not, um, you know, connecting with them like we have in years past. I, I you know, I'm so grateful I had my uh, kids in the 90s, mid-90s, because there was nothing in my way to not have that eye contact and that interaction. And I'm convinced that helps healthy people grow and I, you know, knowing how I am today with my phone, I don't know, I might have it in my hand, you know? So that's an incredible yeah. point right there that, that you make. And, you know, um, I, 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 we're kind of delving into the bad right now at this stage, wouldn't you say? So should we just kind of jump into that? Mm-hmm. And you guys can talk in on the effects of the brain and social connections and those kinds of things. Exactly. And I think the, the word aware Pete, is something that I want any listener to this podcast to kind of be aware of is that word aware, which is, you know, taking the time to pause your brain and say, what am I doing and what do I want? And I think just having a parent look at those things because um, some of the effects of too much electronics when it's out of balance and when parents inadvertently become not aware or when a kid is a teenager and it's their requirement to be aware and they're not being aware enough. Some of the maladaptive things that can happen are kind of scary um, early on if there we can affect the, the parent child interaction and attachment. Mm-hmm. When kids get older, we can affect the quality of that relationship. And remember, children, believe it or not, they need to learn from us. And they do that by modeling, by mimicking, by how they feel in our presence, in their interactions. So if we would normally, without technology being available, we'd go out and we would take our kid to the park and we would push our kid in that swing. And we would would hear the sound of our kid going, wee, mommy, daddy, more. Mm -hmm. And the kid would have a huge smile on their face. That is stimulating the brain that is stimulating the brain to say, I like that mommy and daddy. I'm connected mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. We have to kind of include those things and in, in, again, all in balance, 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 balance to where the child is getting enough of that. And if we have too much electronic stimuli, it just doesn't balance out. So um, the other thing parents need to look at is every kiddo is different. Mm-hmm. Um, we are hardwired a certain way. 
And there are some, um, some kids that are more sensitive to having a maladaptive effect from technology where it becomes too much too quickly. Um, you know, kind of red flag if, um, if your child has ADHD or you suspect your child has ADHD. If your child is on the autism spectrum or you suspect your child is on the autism spectrum. Awareness would mean putting up a red flag in your head as a parent to say, um, whoops, you know, I got one of these kiddos. I love my kid dearly, but I've got to be extra careful when exposing my child to electronic stimulation because my child is more likely to get hooked because my child is more prone to the old dopamine boost because that's what electronics are doing is um, they're giving your kid's brain and ours as adults a nice little dopamine boost of instant gratification. And some kids will get hooked on it more easily than others. Mm -hmm. That's very, very true. I see that very commonly in my practice. And it makes it really hard um, to get, you know, to look at it in a different light because we do know that this does affect and development. And so we just need to be really aware and conscious of it. And it affects us socially. Um, You know, with when we have connectedness all the time, it really makes it hard to just be and to be content and to be um, even bored, you know, and, um, you know, there's a lot of my patients, I think I've mentioned this before, they really struggle um, in in in-person conversations because they don't quite know how to communicate in person. They're used to, you know, writing things out and talking over, over text or doing the TikToks. And, you know, I know all that is is good and fun sometimes, but it can make it really hard and kind of lead to some social anxiety, some avoidance behaviors, which we talked quite a bit about at our last podcast. Um, It really has kind of changed the way that we think about relationships and friends. In fact, friends in a way has kind of lost its its true meaning. And I know Jeanette is very passionate about (laughs) <laughs> I, I tell people, Pete's like, don't get me started on that, um, because the word friend used to be defined as somebody that we had a close, meaningful, reciprocal relationship with. We could confide in that person. We got gratification out of seeing the other person respond to us. We could see that they got us. We could see that they liked us. Um, we, we would read all of that by face-to-face cues. And with the electronic um, medium, we are losing that. And so I I have so many of my therapy kiddos, I talk to them all about friends because that's a huge part of child development. And they, and they, they talk about their friends and I ask for more details and it's the online friends through a video game. And I'm like, I always use, by the way, made, made up names of Johnny and Susie. So uh, that's <laughs> mm-hmm. just kind of my old fashioned way. And so I might say, you know, well, um, you know, Johnny, tell me about your friends. And Johnny lists just first names only of all, you know, 50 people that he's in and chat rooms with his video game. There is no qualitative um, relationship there. He may know of, of the Billy's, you know, name on the screen, but that's all. And so they're playing a shared activity. And if we think developmentally about social relationships, they start out as parallel play, where you play next to one another at age three, four, five. We then outgrow that. But now we have big kids, we have teenagers, and they are doing that kind of parallel play because they're playing parallel in the form of a video game. And suddenly that then becomes their, I'm doing an air quotes electronically right now, um, that becomes their friend. 
So they're missing out on the whole quality of friends. And then, like Lauren said, then the anxiety comes because there is a part of their brain that knows that that doesn't feel good. That's not satisfying. That doesn't give them that contentment that a quote real friendship does. I see that all the time. I've got a, I've got a real life example if I could throw this in real quick and I don't sure. I don't think this friend of mine is going to listen to this podcast, um, but he's he has a, an online relationship with uh, a woman from a foreign country. Um, they've never seen each other, and it's been over a oh. year and a half, and I don't think they'll ever see each other. But one thing that I've noticed is from that satisfaction of 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 feedback and the things you're speaking of. There also becomes what I've noticed, like like almost a shortness in temper, and and frustration, and I, I and it's an interesting thing. I mean, this is an adult, so um, it, you know, I mean, so if that's happening to an adult, what could happen yeah. to our kids who are with mm-hmm. these these uh, friends, the quotes, the air quotes, that they'll never meet or see, and right. it, it's replaced what interpersonal communication is. What does that lead to our society down the road? Well, yeah, and we'll talk more a little bit later in this podcast about the mood um, effects on that, too. You said anxiety and depression. And I've got to say that there's one quote that I want to give that is like from many years ago. Actually, it's been many, but a few years ago, a 13-year-old girl had told me, you know what, Dr. C? We didn't have a choice to know any life without iPads or iPhone. I think we like our phones more than we like actual people. Wow. And, you know, when she's like, uh, girl, you are spot on. <laughs> well, you know, I, and it's true. It is true, but it's a sad statement. Mm-hmm. You know, her awareness was astute, but it's like, yeah. You know, and that the piece of electronics that right now we're talking into, you know, does not give us that kind of satisfaction mm-hmm. that as humans, we need to be able to function well. Right. And when we are on electronics all the time, we lose out on, on a lot. We we don't explore like we used to. I can't even tell you the number of times that my parents would say, Oh, go out and play and come back by dinner time. And it's like, okay, you know? Um, And that was a really cool thing. We got to explore nature. We got to expand our imaginations. Um, Even though sometimes we would feel bored, we would figure out ways to occupy our time. And now when kids get bored and you get, annoyed by them saying I'm bored we hand over the phone or you know and it it just sets up that pattern of that being the electronics being the only source of our satisfaction and our enjoyment um and I'll dovetail onto that Lauren and it's also meaning that we're missing out as kids get to be teenagers on some of the prep for adulthood so if you're sitting at home with your phone or you're on your computer um, with a, a game or you're on your video game, you're missing out on some of the, the life experiences like getting a job, mm-hmm. doing volunteering, stuff like that, which are functional life skills. I can't tell you how many of my teenagers, they I kind of just gently joke with them. And I'll be like, uh, when are you going to get a J-O-B? I'm like, oh, Dr. C, you're bringing up the job thing. I'm like, yeah, you're 17. you know. <laughs> and I talk with them on a serious note about how you feel mm-hmm. whenever you a job and and you you get your first taste of earning some money Mm -hmm. you get your first taste of like i can buy something for myself Mm -hmm. and i get my butt out of the house responsibility (laughs) and and people skills it feels good but i I see so many teens that because of electronics they're trapped and then they're anxious about trying to get a job and and if parents aren't insisting on that 
then we've got a teenager who's not getting prepared for the expectations of adulthood in which I don't know about you, Pete or Lauren, but I think, you know, we kind of have to have jobs in life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I and think last that things are free. Absolutely. <laughs> right. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? But yeah. I think that's hugely important. Um, and then the other things I think we get by doing those things are just the, um, the self-satisfaction or what I always call like war stories. You know, like our first job <laughs> was blah, 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 you know? Um, and even now I will tell you, I, I've, I've, I've picked up a sport, Pete. Okay. I play pickleball. Oh, it's the, the best. New to that sport. And I'll be out on the pickleball court on a summer evening. And I will tell my, my partners, I'll be like, Oh, you know what? There's some teenagers over there, random teens. I don't know who they are. And they're actually doing like the coolest thing because they're just doing nothing. Okay. <laughs> they're at a park and they're out. hanging out. And I, I, I stop myself from embarrassing myself, but I want to go up to them and like shake their head and go, good job, kid. Yeah. You are out of your house <laughs> and you are at a park. So it's ridiculous that I would even think that. Mm -hmm. It really is. But I think the pendulum has swung so far the other way that to see kids just doing what kids should be doing becomes an anomaly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I think I noticed a lot more of that uh, congregation at parks outside and in yards uh, during the early stages of COVID last year in April and May. It almost looked like uh, the Wonder Years era uh, when you look out and say, wow, they're actually, yeah. they're, here's like four siblings uh, different ages playing together in the yard. I mean, it was like, it was really refreshing. Right. And it was interesting be, during COVID, I think people did really recognize like, okay, we do need social interaction. Yeah. We do need to get out of the house and out of our phones because we just feel disconnected more than connected. Sometimes. And I think the pandemic fortunately made us aware of that. I, I agree with you, and I think it was forced upon us to stop and think a little bit and say, okay, w w what what do we value the most? And I think it comes down to relationships. You know, you, you don't know it when you're buried in your phone all the time or your iPad or whatever it is uh, or your apps and things, and I do definitely think that that was a, a good that occurred out of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I when I think about us all getting together at a park, for example, I know that as kids and as adults even, we have, you know, group chats. And um, what we tend to see is that when we have these group chats, everything is put out on the table in this group chat. And then we, we feel like we need to invite people um, universally. And that can make it hard. And it can make you feel left out if you're not part of that group chat. FOMO is a real thing, you know. And I've seen situations where children have... Um, two people together have one has received a text from a group chat and the other one isn't in it. And that is just devastating to that other child, you know? And so even with social media, we look online and we see what everybody is doing. They're posting pictures of being together, you know, Happy all pictures. their fun things, <laughs> right? Which is cool. And thank you for sharing the picture, but it, it's probably going to make other people feel like they missed out. And just when it comes down to it, our social media life is not an authentic picture of what life is really like. But in a teen's brain and a kid's brain, they can't understand that. They think that that person has such an amazing life. I want to be like that person. I've had patients tell me that. Yes. 
And, and along with what Lauren is saying too, the other part of kind of the fear of missing out is with these um, group texts, kids are feeling like they have to invite everybody or else they can't do something. Whereas, you know, if you have a, a group of you know, 10 people on a group chat, the reality of getting all 10 people together for any kind of a social event is just not going to happen. And yet kids will say, well, I can't just invite, you know, Johnny or Susie. I have to invite every single person. And so then they feel trapped and overwhelmed that they actually can't have a social event. So then nothing happens. So it becomes this real twisted kind of a social dynamic mm -hmm. that starts out because of the way that we've structured the electronic communication between the kids. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. One of the other things I think that I see as um, kind of the negative, bad um, effects of electronics is it, it's attention and memory problems. Okay. Think of like even just um, the, the internet or like the surface of playing video games. All of these things provide quick, instant um, stimulation of the brain. If you think of two things like jet skiing versus scuba diving, okay? A jet ski is skimming across the surface of the water very quickly. It's not going deep and it quickly shifts direction. And it's fun and a dopamine Absolutely, like, <laughs> exactly. That's what's happening to our kids' brains right now. We're teaching them how to, quote, jet ski, right? Mm -hmm. The terrible thing is scuba diving, okay? Because in scuba diving, you do a deep dive. And there, it's calm, and it's content, and you can, like, explore. explore. <laughs> and you see things from new dimensions, and you get a chance to take your time with them because there's no urgency to go back up to the surface. So if parents can kind of remember... Our kids need some scuba dive experiences that will help their, their brain to learn how to focus, to learn how to pay attention. Um, Lauren and I were kind of prepping for this, um, this podcast, and we were talking about the attention and memory stuff. And I said, so if somebody brings their, their kiddo and the initial complaint is, I think my teenager has ADHD, they may have, but if I find the kid is spending seven, eight hours a day on their phone and on the video games, and they don't have any other balance in their lives and their mood is edgy because of that, I would find you my best job, but often I can't say whether that child would have ADHD because the attention span is being arbitrarily changed because of this other types of stimulation, mm -hmm. especially if that's been going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. So as we keep changing our, our brain pattern of reaction, it gets really hard to figure out what's, what's true attention problem per se, What's the true memory problem per se versus something that we've kind of artificially created yeah. by just too much exposure to electronic media. Yeah. And even recalling information, you know, we have um, constant answers in the palm of our hands and we don't have to stretch ourselves to try and remember those things or to even learn those things. And so test taking can be really difficult. And um, it's just, you know, and, and if we're not, if we're on tech all the time, we're not paying attention to things in our environment and we're missing out on a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, should we bring up one of our favorite topics, Pete? That's also one of the, the bad things about electronics. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I know this one. Yeah, go ahead. Sleep. That is my favorite thing on earth. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Love virtual it. Raise your hand if, if your kid doesn't get enough sleep. I'm going to guess most of the people's hands are going up. 
Um, because with the electronics uh, easily available, it messes with kids' sleep patterns and their rhythms of sleep. And sleep and food are two main drivers of how we function um, as, as brains and as, as bodies, as humans. So without proper sleep regulation, um, we're going to get some dysregulated kids. And if the reason for that is because your kid is texting and that we have the blue light from a computer screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've said this before. It's like the, the kiddos where they set their alarm for 2.34 a.m. so that they don't miss out on a Snapchat, Snapchat street, street. That drives me nuts. Okay, that just drives me nuts. I'm like, kid, it's okay. But no, Dr. C, I've had 162 days of streak with that kid. <laughs> so we also have found out that um, close to half of kids these days have a TV in their bedroom. And so if it's in their bedroom, um, it's easily on and that's gonna interfere with the sleep patterns as well. Definitely. Can, can I circle back real quick on the the whole concept of the streak, right? What, yeah. What, what, what is that, what could that possibly on a positive result in? Oh, I mean, the- to, to, to me, I don't, I don't understand. It's a quantity over quality thing, but who really, I don't know. I mean, there can't be anything positive out of that. Well, but you have to um, go backwards in time and put yourself in like a 14-year-old boy's head. It becomes a status thing. And also, it becomes a connection thing. It becomes a loyalty thing. Yep. How are you to me? Mm-hmm. So then there's a little bit of power behind that, too. I'm so loyal. I have my 180-day streak. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've had kids that have had over a year streak with somebody. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, we crazy but but part of this is putting ourselves in our kids brains mm-hmm. and you know kiddo why 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 is this important to you you know not mm-hmm. whiny and johnny do you think okay. so, do you think some <laughs> of it's the brilliance of marketing though where um yeah. it's they, they create it as a competition kind of and, it, and it's a result-based thing i mean so then you're kind of competing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah a number of i i've heard this many times i didn't get enough likes on my picture, so I took it down. Yep. Yep. Are you serious? Oh, serious. Mm-hmm. Several. Oof. That's incredible. So, so I, we, we've all looked at something we've posted, right? And we see what types of likes we're getting wherever we've posted it or retweets or whatever it would be. Um, it, now, I'm, I'm going to say this. This is interesting. This is in a um, pre-qualified mode here. I do a lot of that for what I do for promoting events and games and things. And, and there's certain art that we may use that I want to see how that was received and if it was shared and forwarded more than others. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But then if I uh, post something personal, I do get that dopamine feeling of, oh, this thing's hot. People like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even know that until Dr. C mentioned that a couple years ago on a thing. And I'm like, I didn't even know to look for it. And I mm-hmm. do now. And what's interesting is now that I know it, I have posted way, way less because I'm aware of that. Good. Hey, hey Pete, you're a success story. Yeah. Well, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there because, uh, you know, when, when you hear about that and you start thinking about your thought process and what's going on and you say, why why do i care you know and then and then it's like am i caring because i think people like me um then you start assessing mm-hmm. your relationships you know all of that and then you know i mean that's probably more for a person who's my age to be talking about we're talking about younger kids but i think the parents of these kids 
can take a look at themselves in the mirror and say, man, that, that, that's how I feel, kind of. And maybe they right. can start addressing that and then, as you say, be two steps ahead of the kids and, and trickle that to them. Exactly. And I think, you know, with grown-up brains, especially if we predate the introduction of all these electronics, our brain had the time to develop mat- um, maturity-wise, so it knows kind of what it's doing. If we put ourselves in an 11-year-old's brain, and this is all they've ever been exposed to, they don't have the wherewithal to censor themselves. No. They just don't. Mm-hmm. So we need, our, we need to teach them. That's our job is the grown-ups is to one final thing on the the sleep part of things uh, before we go into the ugly here. What I find interesting is there are kids that we all know that are up even on a school night till two, three, four in the morning. Yeah. Something electronic. It's not homework. It's something electronic based, and you you wonder how that person can function at any level. And oh, let's say they play a sport, and then they're gonna go yeah. play a sport. I, I just don't know how it's almost like a sleep deprivation through an addiction, which has to be insanely unhealthy. It It is. And, and again, the teenager may not realize how much that is affecting them. That's where, you know, parent connection, parent check in with their kid and also parent appropriate parent restrictions mm-hmm. on, the, on some of that. And just to say, you know, the common sense things like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Johnny, you know, you know, I know you're 16. I know you love your phone, but you know what? We as parents know that this is just not healthy. So, you know, the phone is coming out of your room at 930 at night to charge in the dining room, you know, and, and, you know, the 16 year old isn't going to like that initially. Although I will tell you when I've had kids get what I call electronically detoxed, quote unquote, that's kind of a made up word when parents, are, you know, suddenly start to restrict it. Initially, the kids are furious and they are, you know, expressing that this is unfair. Why are you doing this? When parents follow through and the kid limits their access, more often than not, I have kids come in my office that are like, oh, yeah, I do feel better. Uh, (laughs) Actually sleeping. Yeah, yeah, they're they're actually uh, fresh and good. There's something to, to be said to that, too. I saw a national speaker on parenting. And um, he was talking about adolescents in their bedrooms and that when the doors close, there's usually something going on in there that they don't want you to see. So um, always go and open those doors. And um, a lot of that's built around the technology and all of the things that that we're talking about here. And um, I think that's just a very simple thing parentally that you can do is if the if if it's two or three in the morning and they're not sleeping, you need to know what's going on in there. It's on you to do that and take charge and do the tough job, as you say, to detox them. And the end result is they come to you and say, yeah, that's, I feel better. So let's talk ugly here. I mean, there's even, I mean, the bad's bad, but this is the ugly is even worse. (laughs) I mean, this is a really positive show here today. I'm just kidding. We'll get it positive, but I mean, but this is very real. Right. We'll wrap up with tips. But it really, it really is real. And it, it increases the risk of depression. In fact, clinical depression is up by 37%. And this is a statistic that we had, I think, from your talk a couple exactly. years ago. So I'm sure it's up even yep. from that. Um, the suicide rate is also increased. Um, between 2009 and 2017, it went up by 25%. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um you know, to the amount of cyberbullying 
that goes on that contributes to these mood disturbances, the anxiety, and even suicide. It is just remarkable how people can be really hurtful yeah. with the things that they touch on their keyboard. Well, and I will have to bring up, you know, one of the other ugly ones which we talk about, which is sexual exposures. Um, you know, everybody wants to say it won't happen to my kid. It won't happen to my kid. I will say with, you know, relatively easy access, meaning there's no parental restrictions or content restrictions or, or anything on phones and computers, kids can and will be curious about sex and about sexuality and they know how to use Google and there are some really graphic things that can pop up or you go to a friend's house and the friend shows you some inappropriate images. So the average age of exposure to inappropriate sexual content is around fifth grade. Uh, it means like 10, 11 year olds. <sighs> so those are the kind of things that I, I don't want to scare parents with this podcast, but I do want people to be aware enough that they realize, okay, it's not too late. Or I'm going to talk to my kid about, hey, buddy, did you ever you know, get exposed to pornography? You know, and did that kind of weird you out, you know, and then you get that out in the out in the open and then it can be talked about and discussed and the teen can kind of recover from that scary event. What's mm -hmm. interesting about that is Google doesn't really have a filter on images or, or what's being pulled up. So you could be Googling a word that has cross meaning and not know it as an 11 year old. And then it comes up and suddenly that word has a whole new visual and different meaning. Exactly. And that could be by complete accident, but then, Absolutely. you know, that's the next step is to go to the next step. And yeah. I mean, parentally, I mean, you, 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 so what, what I'm hearing you say is you can't really like, you know, police like over the shoulder constantly, but it's Correct. really important to address is what I'm hearing you right. say. And then this comes down to us really educating ourselves about security and safety online. And we'll kind of go into some tips later on about ways that we can establish a really safe space for kids to access electronics. There are plenty of apps we can use that kind of track things and put limits on things. And, yeah. um, you know, just all, all of it really does come down to awareness. You know, we know that this is an issue that the world is facing. And as long as we're aware and we discuss these things as a family, that is our, our big goal here throughout mm -hmm. this podcast is to just bring awareness. Yep. So let's talk about some of the biggie topics here um, as far as exposure and those types of things. And, yep. you know, I mean, we see little kids in backs of cars with um, iPads and they're like 18 months and they know how to run it. To watch a movie and and the american academy of pediatrics has taken a stance on a lot of these um electronics issues as well and there is no exact age that you know your child should or should not be exposed to technology but in general the guidelines are that babies and toddlers should just really not be exposed to electronics you know with the exception of like an occasional facetime to auntie uncle grandparents you know that's fine daddy's away mommy's away on a business trip it's completely fine to you know facetime have a video you know um, encounter but in general the longer you wait to expose your child to electronics the better um so if you think about it that up until age two the kid learns by the facial expressions and that would be called social and emotional reciprocity between the, the child and the parent, um, you can't get that through apps. 
So even if your child is looking at a screen on something that has faces, that is not the same as mommy's face or daddy's face mm -hmm. or a big sister's face. So um, that's one of the rationale for not exposing babies and toddlers to electronics in general. And then when that baby um, grows up and starts to be in preschool, one of the things we recommend is that any exposure is limited. So half hour-ish or so per day, and that it's interactive along with educational. So people might say, well, it's educational for my child to sit down in front of a, a screen and watch something. Okay. But it's much better if you sit down as a parent with that child is watching something educational because then you're teaching that child. And also your child is getting, I just call them kind of like the warm fuzzies, okay? Because mm -hmm. they're snuggling next to daddy on the couch while they're watching, you know, Mr. Rogers or Sesame Street or something that, you know, is low stimulation and high um, educational value. So it's that that interactive part along with the educational um, that makes it a good thing. Um, we also say that in terms of um, when should your child get a phone? What's the answer, Lauren? Wait until eighth grade. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big um, program and initiative that you can look up actually, it's called. And it really, you know, as a community, if we are very cognizant of waiting until kiddos are mature enough and you know, setting the proper limits and those sorts of things, it makes it so much easier for those children to, to feel like they're on track with their peers, you know, versus the kiddo that's maybe getting a cell phone in like third grade. Yeah. That makes it really hard, you know? So if we, as a community, really wait until they're ready it is so much more beneficial. Right. And a lot of parents will say, well, I'm going to give my child uh, you know, a smartphone in like fourth grade because I need to upgrade my phone anyway. And otherwise my old phone goes to waste. And I talked to that parent about the risks of doing that. And usually when we've had that conversation before they've given their child that old phone, they realize, oh, I hadn't thought of this. I hadn't thought of this. And they get through a different lens. And they will often decide that it's just not worth it. The risks are too great at that early exposure. Much better to wait a few years and then work on getting the kid a, a phone when they've demonstrated that maturity and that um, more mood stabilization over time. Mm -hmm. And also ability just to show that they can make good choices. Mm -hmm. And when they do make good choices, one thing you talked about in your talk before that I really liked is to write a contract. And, and, you know, oh. I mean, that, 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 that is uh, binding. And when you sign it, you remember signing it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Let's hop into the tips then, Pete, um, because writing a contract is one of the best ways to start here. Um, when we set up the, um, the rules of engagement, basically, where, you know, this is how much we can use our phone. This is how much access we will have to apps and websites on our phone. We will know that this, I mean, this is something that we pay for. And listen, buddy. You're renting, not buying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We have the ability, you know, to take, take it away if some of the conditions in the contract are being broken. Um, and when, when we do take it away, let's turn that negative interaction into a positive one. And let's do something, let's go strawberry picking instead of 
you know, dwelling on the fact that we don't have our phone. Exactly. So supplementing that now newly available time with something that's interactive between the parent and the teen. And, and you know, parents can be aware of their 15-year-old is kind of breaking the rules. The kid's initially going to be, you know, grumpy about it. That's okay. But I will tell you, you know, I, I have yet to find um, a teenage guy or girl who didn't like waffles with their parent. You know, they might just sit there like, Whoa. But they enjoy the waffles. Okay? <laughs> so it gets them out of the house. They're not on their phone. And it's an interactive activity between the parent and the teenager. Mm-hmm. And there are, um, you know, built in in many of the smartphones, there are um, ways that we can monitor screens and set limits. And I really encourage parents to figure that out before yes. we make the deep dive into giving our child phones. Um, the keyword being before. Before. Mm-hmm. So go to the Geek Geek Squad, go to Apple Store and ask these questions um, because it's super important that we set up a good, secure place for children to be safe uh, with electronics. Um, There are apps that we can use that may monitor the amount of usage that we have or restrict content. Some of them even GPA track, Mm -hmm. which, you know, that that might bring us down a rabbit hole, but... um, it really, you know, it is okay. We need monitoring. Exactly. Um, other things that parents can do is they can actually focus on the positive examples of how to use technology. So the kids get that idea of balance and that it's not all bad, bad, bad. Um, that they're, you know, okay, I'm going to be going home after this podcast and I'm going to be learning how to can peaches. I don't know how to do that. I'm going to use the beauty of the internet Okay, in a positive way, because I'm going to research how to can so that I don't kill, you know, kill my <laughs> husband with, with bad canning recipes. <laughs> 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 I'm sure I will get a good recipe or two. And, and that's a good way. So if, if, my, if I had a teenager and, and I would say, you know what, teenager, Johnny, Susie, whatever, this is a great way of using the Internet. Okay, you're going to love the canned preserves that I make. And it's going to be good because I looked up how to do it safely. And that's a great educational part of how to use technology mm-hmm. so that they get the idea that there's a balance there. It's not just all bad. Right. And that, that balance, you kind of have to figure out yourself. We yes. have to be cognizant of our own time on electronics. I think we all could benefit from really examining our time, our usage with electronics and set examples, you know, and do it as a family. This is something that we all, we want to make time for each other. We want time apart from electronics. There's a time and a place. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I think, of course, this almost sounds like it, it should be, you know, the obvious, but I would say a lot of families have not talked about what are the basic safety rules, you know, for having your kid be on devices of sorts. So we just kind of want to run through them. Um, things like never post or trade personal pictures of any kind, um, never revealing your personal info, like your address, your name, your phone number, um, use only your screen name, not your real name. Don't share your passwords with anyone, but you have to share it with parents. To me, that's part of the contract mm-hmm. is no, no password, no phone. Sorry, kid. Um, <laughs> never agree to meet anyone in person you've met online. Um, parents should also be looking for harmful apps that are kind of disguises. Um, like there are some that 
um, like they're designed it's like to look like a calculator on the screen, but they actually like hide pictures and they hide text and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, making sure you have all of those basic safety rules and then others in place and written down. Mm -hmm. Those are um, some really, really good things to do. And follow through, obviously, is the most important part. It's one thing to, to talk about the rules, but parentally, we need to follow through and make sure right. that, that we are get, we are, you know, they're not meeting people and that we are on the passwords and those types of things. I think that is, um, that's the tricky part of parenting is, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it's sometimes you got to be the bad guy. You can, you can really be the good guy and being the bad guy if you do the right thing. Right. Exactly. And, and some of these things, I mean, again, I don't mean to scare people, but it's true. I mean, I have had, you know, people in my office, patients that have told me that their kid was ready to go meet somebody that they met online. And it scared the parent, scared me as the treating psychologist. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this could be really, 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 really dangerous. Right. You know, and, and thankfully, you know, a, a friend alerted the parents kind of in the nick of time. Yeah. But that's easy it is for these things to go awry and I think just again that back to circling back to that word aware mm -hmm. you know be aware keep your eyes in the game and that will that will conquer a lot of these kind of electronics issues mm -hmm. and we talked about this at last podcast too but anything that we put online is there forever oh, yeah. whether yeah. you remove it or not there is still ways that we can access that information. And so we really have to be cognizant of that. In fact, I watched a really interesting documentary called The Social Dilemma on Netflix. And it talked about how, even though we think we're, um, you know, smart with our information and private with it, there are so many uh, scary things that can result as mm -hmm. of even just typing something into your search engine, yeah. it changes the ads that you see on your phone. Um, it's really, it, it's really wild that you know technology has evolved the way it has. And so, if we're aware, that is a beautiful thing. Well, and technology yeah. knows that if you walk into a specific car dealership. Uh, it, it takes that, that IP address of yours on your phone and it knows that you're there and then they start feeding ads for other car dealerships. It's just, that, that's, yeah. that's the depth of how uh, uh, effective marketing yeah. and things like that can be. You know, I mean, it, it, if, it, if it's viewed, I think, in a positive lens, it's kind of cool, you know, I mean, because you've got your warm market. But on the same token, if you can do it for like a vehicle, um, yeah, you know, we, it could be done for anything, which could be very, very dangerous going back to the meeting of people and the, yep. those types of things. And I think it's, you know, we, we've got a technological base of things that exist. It's not yep. going away. It's going to be changing and evolving and getting more in depth. So it, it's our new norm. Yeah. And we have to, you know, so I guess <laughs> what embrace it, but take these things that you guys are saying, the two of you, which are absolutely terrific. Uh, pieces of information and do something with it exactly and and you know parents are awesome in general parents love their kids parents will do anything for their kids so i think you know just giving this information to parents parents can embrace it parents will be like i get it now and just like you know pete you were saying you kind of got it with in terms of your own awareness parents will get it and then you know that will um try and prevent some of these things from even occurring mm -hmm. 
and spread the information. Absolutely. Good point, Share it Laura. with others. You know, yep. I think it, so many of us think it is um, just a benign thing. And we really just have to be aware. Yes. <laughs> there it is again. Wow, that's, that's been a trifecta for be aware. So, um, you know, really, really strong points here uh, about all of this. And this is, as we said, I said a moment ago, a very real situation uh, that the two of you have your hands very closely around this. And you deal with people who have these issues uh, every day. And I want to close on one little snippet, if you don't mind, Dr. C. Um, we don't mind at all, Pete. I, well, it's going to involve you. Um, <laughs> the, I, we, we, were, we, we, were, we were at our last thing, uh, or at, at, this, at the video presentation of this, and you were talking about um, there were some kids who were addicted to their Xbox or, or whatever it was. Yeah. And um, you were giving just st straightforwards. You and Dr. Delahunty were just giving straightforward, do this, do that. And the the pushback that you got from the parent of saying, well, they'll just break down the wall. They'll they'll get a they'll get a uh, chainsaw and cut it open. I mean, and, and and I wasn't sure if I was hearing somebody that was absolutely enabling their behavior, or if somebody that didn't know what to do. Or if the addiction was that bad, and I remember you were just like uh, that. I, I can't remember what your your response was, but it was really good. So, what do you say to that? <laughs> Which part of that, Pete? All of it. Like, okay, so <laughs> I mean, the part of okay, the the addiction to the Xbox, which we know in the video games, is is very real, and um, it's because it's fun. It's because it's visually stimulating, and and you know, it's you're kind of engaged. You have your I guess I would say fake friends, if you will, quotations or friends. Um, but then you have such severe uh, addiction or just connection with that piece of electronics that you right. would get a chainsaw out and cut down a wall. I'm being sorry. I mean, I'm being a little bit yeah. outrageous, yeah. but uh, there are that's true. So so I, I guess what I'm looking for is the depth of the addiction and then the parental yeah. saying, I can't do anything about it just throwing their hands up what, right. what what happens there well what happens in it is it gets worse you know so a kid is still a kid even a teenager they're still a kid they, their brain hasn't grown up yet they need to use the grown-up brain to regulate and so yeah the kid is going to get really angry and angrier but parents need to kind of put the metaphorical line in the sand and say johnny Susie, this isn't okay and I will take the Xbox controller and I will put it in my trunk and I will take it to work whenever I go to work and you will not have access to it. Mm -hmm. And and Johnny might say, well, I'm going to, you know, punch a hole in the wall. Well, then you have to go to the hardware store and you have to, and you have to fix that hole in the wall. And all, all of those things with apparent reaction being uh, calm and non-reactive. Mm -hmm. And so it's difficult. It is holding you know, holding your child accountable, mm -hmm. uh -huh. holding the child um, accountable, then over time, weaning that child off of the electronics. And for those kind of extreme situations, it would probably be a no electronics, Yeah. you know, for Get rid of it. Get rid X of it. amount of time, you know, and probably minimum of one month, just because the research shows that it takes, you know, 28 days or longer to change patterns and behavior in our brain. So depending on how strongly that is encoded up there, it might take even longer than that. And you know, again, the, the kid just has to kind of get used to it. The good news is they will get done being mad. Okay. Yeah. We don't know how far they would take it, but they will get done being mm -hmm. mad. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you give it 
the threats, all that does is reinforce that higher level of escalation. Power too. Absolutely. You know, it it depowers the parent and it overpowers the adolescent or the child. Mm -hmm. So I've, you know, if if it becomes aggression and violence, I've certainly told parents to call the cops. Mm -hmm. I've had parents do that. And the cops come and amazingly, the kids kind of chill by then. And, and you know, police have been very kind in terms of helping to deescalate and talk with the individual, you know, and that's kind of worst case scenario. That's pretty rare that that's happened, but it has. And, you know, with, for the parents that follow through with that, it's scary for a parent to think of doing that with right. your child. But it also, again, it's calm and non-reactive. It's like, this is what happens, mm-hmm. buddy. You know, yeah. <laughs> you, you, it's not okay to, to be at that level of escalation. And if the driver of that escalation is the electronics, then that needs to be taken away from that individual. Yep. They need an intervention. Exactly. Exactly. That That's literally what you're talking about. That's, that's incredible. Yep. So I want to put that out there because that was a very extreme situation that yeah. um you know you, you hear but you hear it right and you say well that is just outrageous right but mm-hmm. it's real and i think it's more common than people would think and so that's why i wanted to toss that out there because i thought that'd be a good way to close the show i mean just to say there is a positive outcome that can occur from all of this if Absolutely. if you follow these steps of what the two of you have just shared yeah yeah Exactly. And, and, you know, for those kind of situations, it's always good to, to, you know, have the child be involved in a mental health setting to work on, on the behaviors that are feeding that electronics addiction as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say to the two of you, this was a terrific program. And I think we covered everything we needed to Dr. Jeanette Concepcion and uh, Lauren Knapp. We appreciate both of your time. And uh, I've been really enjoying these uh, episodes. I can't wait to hear what topic number uh, four is going to be. Uh, but no matter what it is, it's going to be very, very beneficial to our listeners and to the community as a whole. So, again, thank you to uh, the two of you. Uh, we'll probably welcome uh, Dr. Delahunty back into the scene on our yep. next one. Okay, great. And uh, yep. we'll, we'll continue the Optimal Health Podcast with our behavioral and mental health uh, programming. This is great stuff. Thanks to both of you. Thank, thank you, you so much, Pete. Bye. See you later. See you later. And uh, so long, everybody. <laughs>